1: back. Welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I've been on maternity leave and I technically still am because I'm not seeing clients right now, but I was so excited to get back into recording episodes, connecting with other providers and other parents and all of you. And I'm so glad you're tuning in today because we have a great topic today. We are exploring the invisible mental load of mothering postpartum edition. So what we're talking about here is all of those tabs that you have open in your brain during that first year with baby. And this is a load that you carry that others might not necessarily see that you're carrying. And we'll explore all of that today. But before we get to the episode, I wanted to share with you the new sponsor for Holding Space Podcast for the next couple episodes. And this sponsor is Stork. And it's spelled S-T-O-R-Q. Now, Stork is a brand and a company that I knew about before they even reached out to me. So once they did reach out, it was a no-brainer, an automatic yes. And let me tell you why. When I was pregnant, I was exploring online, searching, Googling for the best and most comfy nursing apparel. Now, I am a third time mama, so I know that what you really want when you're postpartum are things that are stretchy and cotton that's super comfortable and clothing that is super easy to breastfeed in or to pump in. So I was searching because my youngest at that point in time was six, and so it had been a while since I've had a baby, and I wanted to see what was out there, and I stumbled upon Stork. Now I purchased on my own a few of their products, and I can easily say without a doubt the most comfortable nursing apparel. And when they reached out and they were like, hey, can we support your podcast in this way? I was like, absolutely. And so if you head over to the show notes, I have a few links there of a few of my favorite tried and true products from Stork. And we have a code for you. If you use the code holding space, you're going to get 10% off your first order at stork.com. Okay, back to the episode. So in today's episode, I have Erica, who is Canadian-based. She's a perinatal expert. She's a mom to three, and she's a therapist. And we're talking about the invisible mental load of mothering in postpartum. Now, she's the founder of Happy as a Mother, which you've probably stumbled upon if you're a mom on Instagram. She has a great series on her Instagram account where she covers the invisible load for a variety of topics. And whenever I stumble upon one of these posts, I'm always like, Erica, how are you in my brain? How do you know that these are all the tabs that are open in my brain about this particular topic, whether it's. Breastfeeding, or being a working mom, or parenting during COVID. She covers it all. I'm so excited to share her with all of you. So let's get to the conversation. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, mom to three. And I support mamas just like you who want a supported, loving, and arrested postpartum so that you can flourish in that first year with baby. In this podcast, I'm sharing my conversations with perinatal experts from around the world and with parents who've been through it. While I hope that this podcast is supportive to you, it is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed health provider. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, Erica. Thank you so much for taking the time to record this with me and for your... (laughs) willingness to jump right in because I have a like I mentioned to you which is not going to go a ton of moving parts I have my baby who I just fed that's sleeping and my two kids in zoom e-learning meetings and my dad is here you know holding down the fort <laughs> and I really <laughs> wanted to have this conversation with you and I'm just so grateful that you were willing to work around um, my postpartum schedule and make this yeah. make work today <laughs> Of
2: course. Thank you so much for having me and I just sit here kind of in awe of all the pieces that you are holding together with some support from your dad and stuff. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, it kind of fits I feel like with our theme today, which is the invisible load of mothering, of motherhood, and, yes. you and I we're going to talk specifically about the invisible loads that come with postpartum. So this whole idea of like the invisible load, you have this wonderful series that you do on Instagram, where you talk about these invisible loads. And so I just I love those. I love every time you post them. And I just like eat them up because they just resonate so deeply on so many levels. Um, And I wanted to talk specifically today about postpartum. But before we jump into all of that, can you give a little bit of your context, a little bit about your background and what brought you to do the work that you do and also be interested in this idea of the invisible load of mothering?
2: Yeah, so I am a registered psychotherapist and we were having this conversation a little bit earlier, following all the designations across different states and countries can be a little bit confusing, but essentially I'm a master's level therapist, I work In person with clients, I started out kind of generally just working with all populations, mostly young adults and adults, um, not really knowing what my niche was going to be kind of when we first start out, right? Yep. And then I became a mom. Mm -hmm. I became a mom three times over very quickly in the span of about three and a half years. Um, So by the time my third was born, I had three, three and under. And yeah, that, that took me for a wild ride, which I do share about quite openly on my own podcast in terms of, um, well, what I was expecting going into motherhood and how I felt and some of the postpartum anxiety and depression I experienced. Mm -hmm. And I found myself in my career, you know, almost ten years into my career as a mental health professional, questioning how I had never encountered maternal mental health before—like no. how was that a thing that I didn't know about? Um, so my own experiences, paired with you know, getting thrown into the mummy groups and all the mummy friends, and that just the different challenges and adjustments that motherhood brings, really ignited a passion in me to to work with moms and to understand this really vulnerable and beautiful and messy and chaotic time in life and be able to support moms through that through my Instagram page and my own podcast and some of the resources that I offer. Mm.
1: Well, I I'm so glad that we got connected. I mean, I'm grateful to call you a friend and colleague, but also just the content that you share. Like I'm I'm in this and I'm doing this work too. Um, But being in it right now myself, you know, oftentimes you need to hear it from somebody else and to hear it in their words. Um, And we, even as professionals, need that outside support as well Mm -hmm. And your, the content that you're sharing. um, As I said earlier, it really does speak to me at like a, at a deep level um, where I'm like, okay, she's, she's not just. A professional who has obviously studied this and works with moms clinically but you can tell I can I know and I can feel the heart behind it like you've walked this before mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I feel that heartness that heart in in all the work that you share um on on social media and in the other offerings that you that you put out there so you're on instagram at ha- underscore happy as a mother and I'll be sure yes. to Share that um in the show notes, so people can go and soak up all of your information and content and heart and warmth on on this on this funny little app that <laughs> that can, um, can can be a source it can be a source of of support and community, mm-hmm. so we're here talking about the invisible load of motherhood and mothering, and I also want to just i'll use the word parent as parenting as well because I know that not. Everybody who maybe was the, the birth partner um, identifies as, as a mom. So the invisible load of parenting, particularly when you've been the birth the birth parent and in that those first that first year, those first few months of, of parenting. So in general, how do you kind of define or understand these, the invisible load of parenting or mothering?
2: I think that recently we've been talking more about the mental load and all of these. Um, I picture them as open tabs in our browsers of our brain, right? That
1: so mom's. Open tabs, Erica. And I don't know where the music like, is coming from. And I don't know which, right? one
2: like which one is playing an ad that you can't shut down and you can't close it. And it's just on repeat. It's like baby shark in the background, you know? Oh, of course. <laughs> and, of course it's baby shark. Like, yeah. And so many of these open tabs and and the invisible load for me is, is a part of the mental load, but it's like the psychological, emotional, mental. It's all of these invisible pieces that... Um, we don't tangib- tangibly see like as a pileup of laundry on the floor. We see that the laundry needs to be folded, but there are all these other invisible tasks that maybe don't have such physical reminders or prompters that are hard for us to one articulate and two can be especially hard for our partners to see and understand. Right. So this invisible load series really came out of a place of just acknowledging and and putting it in a square like i'll pick a topic of whether it's postpartum or breastfeeding or sleep and i'll unpack all of the invisible pieces that go into that one topic or decision like i just did back to school you know and all of the load that we're all feeling going back to school and when we see it on on a square like all laid out of all of these working pieces that are happening we can stop and say oh that's why I'm feeling so anxious right now, or that's why I'm feeling so drained and tired thinking about doing this activity or this task. Um, yeah. So it helps to bring some understanding and to put some words to this psychological experience that we're happening,
1: that is I happening. Think that that's, that's sort of what you just said is, is, is touching on what I was speaking to and, and how, why I think these resonate so deeply is because there is a part of seeing all of it in a square. Cause you have these beautiful graphics with um, where it lays it out with like visuals as well, that then helps me understand, okay, yeah, this, this is a lot to be carrying in my head right now. I mean, the back to school is, is really present with me right now because my kids are, in e-learning Zoom meetings right now, but they are both going back in person next week. And with that, on top of all the things that are that come with being postpartum, I'm thinking about okay, I need to make sure that they have like clothing to be to be wearing that's appropriate because they're going to be outdoors mostly. So I need to mm-hmm. get them that. I need to make sure we have sunscreen um, because there are learnings to be happening outdoors, which it usually doesn't mm-hmm. happen outdoors. I need, they need to get COVID tests before they go in because that's a requirement. I need a mask that's going to be comfortable for them. I have all the paperwork to fill out. I need to start getting them back on a routine of going to bed earlier because we have to get up earlier. And all these things that are in my mind that I'm constantly trying to like come back to or check off or touch or, or accomplish or, um, and you know, I think that a lot of times as as parents, we don't we're not articulating these things as much. And, and sometimes in different partnerships, the load may fall more on one parent over the other. Mm-hmm. and the other might not, like you said, see all the things that you're carrying. Um, and then the the pressure of that and the load of that can manifest in different ways. And, and you mentioned anxiety, um, that one for sure shows up, I you know, for me personally. Yeah. Resentment towards partner
2: is a really, really common one. Feeling isolated and like you don't have any support, you know. Um, it's funny the amount of moms like in the comments that actually tag their partners like if, if you go through the comments on a lot of these posts or like you know dm them to their partners and stuff like that because it's like this this, this is what I'm feeling this is what I'm experiencing every day that I didn't really have the words to communicate to you right yeah I you know
1: yesterday yesterday was a, I had a tough day yesterday um my My little one is going through a leap right now developmentally, and so she's kind of back to the every two hours at night when she had been doing kind of like some four or five-hour stretches, and I was really feeling the load of many things yesterday of going back to school, some of the postpartum stuff that I know we'll we'll speak to in a bit, Um, and and just like the world right now, like <laughs> I'm in California and um, the West Coast is on fire right now. And we do live in a part of town where fires are very common. Mm-hmm. And, and then just like all, all of these pieces. And yesterday, my mother-in-law um, was over helping us. And I sat down and I just was kind of feeling this like verge of tears, which I know is always a sign for me that. I need, I need support and I'm really tired and I need to talk to someone. And I just sort of asked her if I could share with her all the things that are on my mind and if she could help me like kind of identify what I could pass to someone else and also what maybe could be a priority and what didn't need to be a priority at that moment. And, um, and I did that and it felt really, really good to do that. Um, And I I think that what she sort of helped with was, you know, we didn't really get much accomplished yesterday, but it felt really nice to have it be just witnessed, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think from there we can kind of move to prioritizing, Um, but that was, it was so helpful just to have somebody be a witness to it. So I think what you're offering is a tangible visual that then people can share with their partners or with a friend or with a family member um, to kind of bring somebody in to start a conversation, to be a witness to what some of this load might look like, right? That this load that might not be visible to, to the world around us.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's actually kind of counterculture in the sense that society's messaging to moms is be and do it all, right? Yeah. And, and it's like, so we adopt this mentality to have to do all the things and carry all the things and, you know, without articulating them, without complaining about it, without like, if everybody else is doing it, what's wrong with me that I can't do it, you know? And so the very messaging in it is to say like, pause a second, this is a lot that you're carrying, you know? And I I don't know who told us that we have to carry it all or whether you have a partner or not to help you carry it, but we just need to stop and and acknowledge for a minute that the transition back to school or being in the postpartum season, these are major things for all the tabs and all the working pieces to manage. It's like a mini project that has just popped up at work that requires its own project manager to Mm -hmm. see it through because it's a massive undertaking. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that we've ever stopped to sort of acknowledge or question that because it's sort of just, just what we're
1: supposed to do, you know? Oh, so let's talk about postpartum. <laughs> I, um, what, what, ha, what have you, because I know that part of what you do in creating these posts is that you actually pull your audience to kind of gather from them what are some of the invisible tasks or loads or things that you are occupying your mind for this you know specific topic and there's under the umbrella of postpartum there are so many of those right whether it's sleep or feeding but I want to kind of because you're you've actually pulled your audience and and gathered this kind of information from them what are some of those invisible, mental loads or what are some of those invisible loads of of early parenting early motherhood um, postpartum fourth trimester whatever you want to call it what what are you seeing are some of those invisible loads
2: so I recently polled um, my audience to do kind of a general postpartum edition like in that really new motherhood stage like what are the things that you feel pressured to carry what are the weights and the responsibilities that you might carry that are not tangible to others um and there were lots of them and i feel like like you had mentioned they could each be be a like a thing unto themselves to unpack right mm-hmm. so we've got like pressure to host people and their opinions mm-hmm. and unwanted feedback we've got navigating feeding Um, researching all the things, especially for a first time mom, we don't realize we get home and we're like, what do you mean? Do I want a bottle or give a soother or not? Does that interfere with breastfeeding? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. And then we're like down the researching spiral, um, navigating BB blues and hormone shifts and trying to identify what is within the normal range and what isn't. And that's Mm so, so hard to figure out in those early stages. Mm -hmm. Um, the, one of the kind of, I say funny, but also not funny, the newborn milestone, like the newborn photo shoot and the milestone photos that we feel pressured to do because oh everybody's gosh. sharing the them on Instagram.
1: So... <laughs> I mean, they are, it's funny because now, I mean, for my first two, I remember just being like, Oh today's the day it's the month thing and and I enjoyed it but also the pressure behind it kind of sucked the joy out of it a little so this yeah. time of my daughter who's my oldest who's nine I um I, I gave her the task <laughs> like <and> she, <laughs> just, she just she enjoys this one little thing that she looks forward to it's like on her little calendar so I like I took that off my plate because for some reason it is this like there was this like little pressure around it that kind of sucked the joy out of it because everybody's doing it and it feels like this thing that if you don't do it, are you going to regret it one day, you know, all those sort right. of things that can pop up, yeah.
2: And if you're a recovering perfectionist, like I am proclaiming to be, um, (laughs) it's like, did I do it on the exact day of their, you know, of the month? Is it the exact same position and, you know, stuffy and outfit as last time? And like, then I, I get stuck in these rigid rules for myself mm-hmm. um, and set these unrealistic expectations for myself, which is something that we might get to later is how often we set these expectations for ourselves outside of having ever spent a day, you know, postpartum and then getting in postpartum yeah. and having to either reevaluate and drop some of the expectations or learn to be flexible in them. Yeah, But some of us have a hard time with that, especially if we tend to be perfectionist, right? So I would be getting frustrated with myself that I didn't actually get it on like the proper day as if that invalidated the, the photo somehow, you know? So um, that in itself can have its own little spiral attached to it.
1: Yeah. And look, it, it. would this is just this one thing that like, maybe somebody who's not in it or on the outside, on the outside of it would be like, who cares? But right. like, but you do care and it feels and like, and like we might care, but there's also this like external pressure of caring, right? Or this like future forecasting. Well, what if like I decide I don't care, but then one day I do care and I have these regrets. And so it's just this, it's this one little thing that becomes this much bigger thing on top of, all of the other things, right? I think that's kind of what, what you're getting at here is yeah. it, uh, it yeah. piles. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I'm like, I remember with my third, because I had done a few of the monthly photos, I felt such a pressure to do it differently, not to the exact same ones as his brother. And my mother-in-law was here staying with us. She's from um, Benin, West Africa. She came over with each child and stayed with us. And she's probably wondering, what the heck? Like, I tried four or five different setups before I was like, oh, forget it. We're just going to do what we did with the other boys, you know? Like... And, and as an onlooker who may not completely understand the yeah. one pressure I'm putting on myself, and, and I really – I think it's important to take a step back here and say, like, what is the driving fear and motivation in these things that we get in these spirals about, right? Like, mm-hmm. in those moments, I just so want to, one – be a really good mom, yeah. right? Like I want to have the memories. I want to have the baby books. I want to like remember and have these present moments and these keepsakes and stuff. And I feel like the motivation and the the drive is that we want to be the best mom we can be. Yeah. And it took me a really long time um, in my own journey to step back and figure out that that doesn't have to be milestone photos.
1: You know, mm-hmm.
2: and yeah. like it, it comes back to really. And I have um my motherhood roadmap for this purpose to really hone in so specifically on your values and what it means mm-hmm. to you to be a good mom, yeah. because then you can better prioritize all those tabs that are open, because things yeah. aren't all equally. They're no longer on equal playing field. Everything is not as equally urgent anymore when we understand what our values are because it gives us this ranking and prioritizing system based on what we truly feel intrinsically is, is most important. Absolutely. And yeah, so so that's, I guess I digress a little bit, but, but yeah. in these things, um, that motivation is just, we just want to be a good mom and we want to get it right.
1: Exactly, and I know that for me, like even though I know, like even though I I know that like putting that pressure for those milestone photos sucked the joy out of it, and I I did make the choice to give pick that off my plate and give it to my daughter who is like old enough now to like take pictures, and it's actually really sweet that it you know it's her outfit choice and like her setup. She's the but creative
2: think, director of the whole she's thing. The
1: creative director, but I know that I when I come back to what is the driving, the driving piece is that I I want exactly, I want to be a good mom. And for me, it's like I her being my third child. And I want, I don't want her one day to be like, why didn't you take these pictures of me? You know, like when she has her own child, and she wants to kind of compare her child at two months to her at two months, you know, like, that's where my mind yeah. goes. And um, I can think about that and have anxiety jump in the driver's seat and be like, or perfection jump in the driver's seat or um, that pressure. Right. And then all of a sudden it's no longer enjoyable and it's no longer actually aligned with the thing that's, that actually is truly important to me. But if I acknowledge that, okay, anxiety, like perfectionism, I get that you want this to be perfect because you're afraid that if it isn't that you aren't being a good mom in that moment or that there will be some regret in the future. Mm-hmm. Got it. Like I, you're you're always gonna come along for the ride with me, you know. Like as it often does in right. these situations or in these important moments. But it also can point me towards that there's something underlying that, and I love that you didn't mention values in this because if, like you said, if I come back to what is the value here that is actually really important to me, and to me, there's um if I really for me, if I come back to it, it. there's some something around like. Um, uh, I, I really value connecting around memories, like connecting around things that have happened in the past. Um, I love looking at old photos with my mom and doing side-by-side comparisons. Like I just, I love, I love that. I love seeing sort of like what, what part of my daughter resembles me when I was a baby and what part resembles my partner and then I imagine that with my own child in the future. And so if I come back to like connection as a value and connecting over over um, the past and like memories, like getting real specific about it, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it takes me to this place of feeling like. the warmth of having that moment happen in the future. And in that moment, will I care really if the the outfit is perfect and the picture is perfect and Mm -hmm. it's perfectly aligned with the last month? No. I'm going to care about remembering that moment and remembering her at that age so I can share with her, like these pieces or that, you know, or that I can even – share with her, oh my gosh, I was so stressed about these. And it might open up a conversation with my daughter when she's an early mom, right? About some of those anxieties and pressures. So Mm -hmm. that's actually what I care about. And when I come back to that, oh, all of that, like needing it to be perfect. It's not that it goes away entirely. It's just that it's put back in its place of not needing to be the driving, the driving force in that moment, you know?
2: Absolutely, and I've really tried to adopt that like done is better than perfect, you know yes. <laughs> accomplished for for the goal of having you know the baby book i I collect all the pictures, and my mom is so lovely, and she puts together the first year baby book for the kids mm-hmm. and so like done is better than perfect, I got the photo, it's yeah. gonna be in there, and I'm gonna have to to move on and not not let you know get caught up in my perfectionism about it.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it can be. It, it's messy, and it can be complicated. It doesn't. It's not just like a, oh, my value, and like even just defining values in the in the first place is is challenging. And so I know. I just want to share two resources. If somebody's like, okay, great values. Like I know that I have them, but w- what are they, and how do I, how do I really utilize them in these moments? Um, there, I do have a podcast episode one of the first ones that's all about defining your values um and also like you mentioned um your roadmap resource which i will make sure to include um links to both of those in the show notes um if anybody wants sort of yeah that roadmap of how do i sort of utilize these things um and also in um my flourish in the first year course there's a whole lesson on a toolkit on how to utilize values um, in these moments to overcome sort of the overwhelm of these moments and kind mm-hmm. of slow things down so you can actually kind of like get these moments back, you know, um, for yourself where you're, you are, are feeling like you're present and aligned with the things that actually matter to you most, um, especially when anxiety shows up and perfectionism is, um, is really just anxiety like with the mask of perfection on it right mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. fear and fear is saying well maybe if i'm just perfect then everything will be okay so their perfectionism and anxiety are are really good friends in these moments <laughs> they're holding hands so yeah. i'll be to include links to, to all those resources in the show notes okay. i wonder if we could speak to some of these other loads that you mentioned um can we talk about the feeding load for a sec? Just because mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I shared a post yesterday about, about feeding um, and I'm always so, I shouldn't be anymore, but I'm always so surprised how like polarizing the, the feeding can be and just mm-hmm. how much pressure shows up in these polarizing sort of beliefs and messages around feeding. And I um, was feeding my daughter yesterday as I was reading through some of the comments um, on the post and I started to cry because I was just thinking about all of the moms like out there in that exact moment who were feeling the load and the pressure that just comes with feeding your child and be either being a food source for your child if you are breastfeeding or navigating bottle feeding and picking out a formula and all of the things that come with it. Um, so, when you've pulled your own audience around mm-hmm. some of the visible loads of feeding your child, um, what are what's what's showing up for moms um, or parents around that?
2: And this one actually was a really interesting experience because both like breastfeeding or nursing moms and bottle feeding or formula feeding moms. Came back with, with the same answer. Wow. And I was like, what, how does that work? But, um, both feel incredibly judged and shamed for their choices at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, obviously with, with each load comes different, um, kind of physical demands and expectations, But still, there's a lot of similarities with being stuck to a schedule, feeling like regardless of the choice that you make, you have to explain it to others, that you're judged in public, whether you're breastfeeding in public or you're pulling out a bottle in public, Mm -hmm. feeling judgment, whether it's actual judgment that you're experiencing or it's perceived judgment because of your own guilt. Yeah. Um, this was a really big one that came up was just feelings of guilt, um, especially for bottle feeding. A lot of the conversations that I had was like, I feel like a failure, like I desperately wanted to nurse, you mm-hmm. know.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so there was lots of grief, lots of feelings of guilt, feeling like your body kind of betrayed you or like you failed in some way. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. And then a lot of this. Like a just a lot of feeling feeling judged, but I think that like when when we're hurt and we feel like we failed or we feel guilty about something, yeah. we might be um passing by and see a i don't know breast milk is best sort of advertisement or something like that. Uh, that we may have otherwise kind of walked by and not had a strong reaction to. But because we're wrestling with our own grief and, and feelings of failure about it, that in itself may be perceived as a judgment or like a reminder of our failure. So there's these constant kind of reminders of, yeah. of what we've lost as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, if I can even just share... um, like yesterday, a little, a, a little bit of a personal experience in, in the guilt. And then when guilt is there, how tender that makes us and how much more vulnerable that can make us, right? So yesterday, my son, I had to take him to get a COVID test before he goes to school. And I really knew that he was anxious about it. And our baby doesn't like being in the car right now. And I was just picturing like, and the COVID test was like a drive-by, like you drive by and they do it while he's in the backseat of the car. And I was picturing the the baby screaming and like him having to get the test and wanting to be present for him and knowing that that would be a hard moment. And so speaking of invisible load, like I was thinking about it literally all night as my baby was waking up every two hours, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. thinking, how do I do this? Um, Because she doesn't really take a bottle well at all right now. And so I'm thinking about it all night. In the morning, I make the decision to um, leave her for the first time and pump for the first time um, and leave a pumped bottle and knowing that like, we might not come back in time for me to nurse her, but she has this bottle just in case. So all these things that I'm thinking about um, that, you know, my partner just went, I mean, he, he knew that these, these things were happening, but he had to be at work at a certain time and he didn't have all of this that he was thinking about. Right. This is my, my load in that moment. And when so we go COVID test was fine actually we got back um I was glad I was able to be present for my son I come home the baby is I walk in the baby is screaming crying um maybe not screaming it sounded like screaming to me though mm. and she would not take the bottle and was really upset that it was being offered to her um I I immediately go in I feel guilty about that yeah Also, start to feel trapped in that moment. Like, oh my gosh, my baby is never going to take a bottle. I am going to have to constantly, I'm not going to be able to leave. I'm not going to be able to, like, have her take a bottle and have some freedom and flexibility. And I started to feel trapped and Mm -hmm. then I started to feel guilty about that. Mm -hmm. So, already in this kind of tender place. And then I shared a post about breastfeeding. (laughs) Um, And it's a polarizing topic. I know that when I, when I go on Instagram and I talk about the messaging of breasts is best and how actually harmful that can be to, um, I understand that it was there to support lactating moms, but I, I left behind this whole population of moms who were not <laughs> able to breastfeed or chose not to breastfeed or it doesn't fit their lifestyle or, um, for so many reasons, right. Mm-hmm, and how mm-hmm. shaming that messaging can actually be but then when all when the comments the negative comments started to come in I was already in like a tender place vulnerable place because of my own sort of guilt and kind of shame I was feeling for feeling like um feeling trapped and feeling like I wish that I didn't have to be a food source constantly um, but also that I left her and that she had this hard moment and and I was really emotional about it. And I I found myself feeling um like exposed and really vulnerable and really tearful mm-hmm. all, pretty much all day. And a part of it was the sleep deprivation. But a part of it was the like the the, the 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 drive that guilt shows up, right? And this is this is this was just yesterday and there's so many different ways in which this can show up that I've experienced it or for other moms. Mm -hmm. But like you said, when that sort of shame or guilt comes up or that like feeling judged, because I did feel judged by the the criticisms and usually I can handle it, right? Because I truly believe in in the message I'm trying to share out there in offering support to all moms, you know, in all Mm -hmm. stages of the journey of feeding. But it was hard for me yesterday. And I think a big driving force of it was that sort of guilt which made me vulnerable to then feeling judged if that makes Mm -hmm. sense coexist is the app that's revolutionizing how couples manage the mental load of household tasks and childcare. It's like having a personal assistant right in your pocket, helping you and your partner effortlessly share tasks, plan meals, collaborate on lists, and even give each other kudos along the way. Here's the cherry on top for my amazing community. Coexist is offering an exclusive deal. Sign up for a two-week free trial before June 15th and you'll get 15% off the annual plan on iOS with the code DRCASSIDY15. So what are you waiting for? Really take that first step towards a more harmonious home life today. Download Coexist on Android or iOS at getcoexist.com. The load in our home has been feeling a little bit lighter since downloading Coexist, and yours can feel lighter too when you download the Coexist app at getcoexist.com. Since becoming a parent and as I've gotten older, I've become a lot more mindful of the supplements and products that I use, and that's why I love Peary. These are natural food supplements that I trust completely. Let's talk a bit about collagen. So collagen is so important for our bodies, but our natural production of it slows as we get older. So I've learned. And quality supplements support our muscle, bone, and joint health. Recently, I've been taking Puri's CP1 Pure Collagen Peptides. It was number one out of 28 collagens tested by the Organic Consumers Association and Clean Label Project. There are enough hard decisions that we make every day as parents, and this makes Puree an easy choice. See and feel the difference with Puree. I know you'll love their supplements as much as I do. Puree is offering my listeners an amazing deal: twenty percent off site wide. Just go to my special URL, Puree.com backslash Dr. Cassidy and use my promo code Dr. Cassidy. So go to P-U-O-R-I.com slash Dr. Cassidy. Don't miss out. Use promo code Dr. Cassidy at com backslash Dr. Cassidy.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm actually working on a resource right now that is discussing um, and helping moms cope with mummy rage and postpartum rage. Yes. And one of the big predictors or sort of contributing factors to rage postpartum is feelings of powerlessness, yep. feelings of being trapped, feelings of hopelessness and that that this is how things are. We're never going to get out of it. Like This is yep. what life looks like um so well, I didn't relate to that yesterday
1: <laughs> like yeah. I, I actually have an episode coming up on that too with carrie locker um yeah. who's a part of nurse um so if you're listening look for that that's coming soon but you know what's so interesting erica and i want to share this right now is that i just sh- shared my experience yesterday but i didn't mention the ra- the, the rage moments i had yesterday and because mm-hmm. there's even more shame around mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm so glad that you even brought this up because it gave me a chance to decide that no, I do want to mention that too actually <laughs> that like yesterday I was a lot more angry, a lot more irritable, snapping at my partner when he got home. Yeah. That, I think the resentment there of like all of those loads that I felt yesterday was Mm -hmm. showed up in that um and I think I apologized to my two older kids probably like many times yesterday just for being extra on edge and irritable and it 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 absolutely came from that feeling of feeling trapped and powerless in that moment for sure yeah yeah Yeah, and I'm with
2: you that I know that Instagram can be a little bit harsh sometimes and I've had my own cries. That's been a thing that that can happen, but especially when you're in these really vulnerable stages of postpartum. And um, I found that with each child that I added and the pull on on, um, how to prioritize the needs that were calling out for me in the day, Mm-hmm. um became very overstimulating and in itself could feel like like I feel very trapped in that. You know, like even if mm-hmm. um I, I think that women can feel trapped for a lot of different reasons. Feeding being a big mm-hmm. one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, being a stay at home mom and being like day in and day out, not seeing like a timeline or an end in sight, uh, lots of reasons. And and for me, it was my third mat leave being at home and just like there was just never an end to the needs. And and it became overwhelming when um, it felt like everybody needed me at the same time. There's certain types of day that are prone to that, like lunchtime, transition to nap time, dinner time, bedtime, bedtime, these types of things. And just feeling completely paralyzed in the demands that were on me in those moments would lead to those those feelings of rage or those really irritable, um, you know, raising voice and and these types of things. And so I've really tried to in understanding and learning that you know, feeling powerlessness and feeling a lack of control in those moments is a really big trigger for that rage. I really try to one help, like ask for help if my partner is around or call in, call in help if I know I'm having a bad day Um, and two look for things that I can control or try and like brain dump out what the priorities are and really figure out, okay, like newborn most vulnerable, he's a priority right now. I can put on a show. Yes. for my 3 year old I'm not thrilled about it but I can at least you know divide mm-hmm. out my attention so I can get to the priorities that need to be met um yeah but it's yeah. it's tricky and it's it's hard and and I think that we all we all feel it but nobody talks about it and that just perpetuates these feelings even more that yeah. they go underground right
1: Absolutely, yeah. In our Flourish in the First Year course, um, we have a whole, whole lesson on mom guilt, and we address like, because guilt, um, and it really comes from some of Brene Brown's shame resiliency mm-hmm. research, um, but powerlessness, feeling trapped. Which there's so many parts of early motherhood where those feel those experiences are very prevalent, and so it's so common for us to feel those things but then but then what do we do with them when when they when they do show up right when they're when you really do have um, a newborn who has these needs that these needs that come up every two two and a half hours and you are feeling trapped within that right um, and so what I what I love about what you're talking about here is you're identifying that okay they're there are some things that I do need to prioritize, right? And identifying what do I have control over in this moment, and also where can I go? Where can I go to get support and get and have connection happen, right? Connection and support where I can identify the things that I can take off of my plate. Um, and sometimes there's the um, what we call in the research maternal gatekeeping, um, which is like saying, okay, I, I need I need help, I know that, but I also need to control how that help happens. And then that just adds on to our load, which I get it, trust me, it can be really hard to let people in and have without trying to control how that help happens also. And I think that there's ways in which we can articulate, this is this is what would be actually really helpful to me, right? And sort of taking that kind of agency and like reclaiming agency in that way but then also allowing others to come in and help us and learn just like we had to learn, right? Like how to give the baby a pacifier so that they'll actually take it or how to, mm-hmm. how to sort of read the different cues and cries, um, how to help your older child navigate from this transition to the next without it becoming this big ordeal, right? Like we can offer like what we've learned and then, and then, really letting people come in and and help us, right, um, and learn, just like we had to learn through the experience of walking through it with our child or through that whatever whatever the task is, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. Oh, it's hard. Yeah.
2: yeah, and I think that um, something that I see really prevalent in like. Postpartum anxiety and perfectionist clients that I work with, and um, you know, moms that I speak with, is that that maternal gatekeeping pieces is, is particularly challenging because so much of the time the anxieties are about allowing others to do it or things being done a certain way or being done right or a particular way. So yeah. that is, yeah, I would say that's like precisely some of the work, and it, and it looks like starting really small, really bite-sized pieces of you know, even letting somebody care for baby when they're not in distress and when they're easily soothed and then working your way up to being able to uh, leave crying baby with your partner and, and allowing them to soothe and tolerating your own discomfort around that. So mm-hmm. there is definitely some small ways to begin to build your tolerance for that discomfort.
1: Yeah. What can you give us maybe just like what what, are, what is like one way that we can for ourselves as adults, right, kind of... Um, Introduce some sort of practice to kind of help build that kind of self-regulation or tolerating those overwhelming moments when we kind of have that surge of like stress, that stress response that can show up. Yeah. In our well, I would say
2: definitely start with achievable um, amounts of time. So I do this even with moms who are experiencing overwhelming mom guilt about going and doing something for themselves when their baby's home and they feel they should be zoomed in on baby. Yeah. Like start with a realistic goal. Number one, yeah. I like five minutes, you can tolerate anything for five minutes. You know, yeah. you can tolerate being in the in the other room for five minutes, set your timer Maybe do a guided imagery script through Google One, through YouTube. Do some deep breathing. Maybe even just like stare at the ceiling and scroll your stories on Instagram. Like it doesn't have to be – I would encourage you to not fill that time with things that need to be done. But to really try to sit in it and and, uh, practice even some mindfulness Uh, which would look like sitting in the room for five minutes and grounding yourself. Right now, I have a lot of purple in my room because purple is my brand color. So maybe I would look around and list off all the purple items I see. And I Mm just stay really grounded in my body and just breathe and focus. And then when that timer goes off, then I can go back out, squish baby, pick her up, pick them up, you know. Um, And that that is actually such an important skill for you to be able to develop is that tolerance because we can't always tend to their needs immediately and it's not always beneficial for our babies as they get older for us to swoop in because of our anxiety
1: right, right. this is this is one of the gifts of imperfection right is that we're yeah. you're, you're not going to be perfectly attuned to your child at all moments right like they're going to have moments where you don't pick up on the cues or you're not able to meet all of their needs and that's okay because the world isn't going to be perfectly attuned to them and meet all of their needs and so one of the beautiful things about us being imperfect which we always will be Mm -hmm. is that that gives our child an opportunity to have a moment of okay wow she's not meeting my needs in this moment and and learning to regulate and soothe themselves, but also, also it gives us a chance to model how to repair, right? How to, how to mm-hmm. come back and then to, to repair a moment where we weren't able to meet their needs right away or, or even like right with postpart with some of the rage yeah. or some of the irritability, like I mentioned, I apologized to my two older children multiple times yesterday um, because I needed to. Yeah. and. And it was, and and now what I've noticed is that like, when I come and apologize, like, like my daughter said, she's like, I knew you would, you know, like she, she expects that repair. So in that moment, when I'm not being my best self and being irritable or snapping at her, she's actually in her mind, I think, and now at this moment saying, okay, mom's going to come apologize later, like Um, so she's not internalizing it right like it's like okay mom's having a moment and she's able to kind of kind of regulate herself in that moment and and when I reflect on that I'm I feel good about that now Mm -hmm. you know Um, while in the moment it didn't feel great um, it's it is something that that our imperfections are can benefit our children as well yeah
2: yeah. And and a repair gives us the ability to enter back into that moment and kind of stitch up the wound, you know, right. like mm-hmm. we may not be able to do that in the moment. We're kind of heated. Maybe we've said something and we call it grumpy gas in our house. Like mommy's grumpy, she's grumpy gas. She's angry because she's hungry or frustrated or whatever, you know, um, and we can identify it. And I claim that very normally in our house because I'm like, Hey, you sound grumpy, you're getting angry, you're probably needing a snack, you know, and I'll claim it for myself in the same way. But when we come back for that repair, after the fact, when everything's kind of settled, we go back in and we like stitch it up, we heal it up, we give it kisses, and we soothe that thing out. And that models secure attachment, right? And I think that Um, I have this conversation with pretty much every mom I work with is that there is this intense pressure or sense that to be a good mom, we have to be zoomed in and attentive and zoomed in and focused on our child 100% of the time. And I just do not see that in the literature and in the research about how we form a secure attachment. It's not about being zoomed in all the time. Mm -hmm. It is about being able to zoom in and zoom out to attune when we need to attune to repair when we need to repair you know yeah. but it's not about being all in eyeballs wide open focused on baby 24 7 and that's how we get resentful and feel trapped that we've lost ourselves we've handed over the whole pie if we feel that we have to be 100 percent on and and mm-hmm. present every moment of every day
1: mm. so we've, we've, we've covered a lot here and I kind of want to go back and like hit some of the major points. So if a mom is, or a parent is listening to this and they're resonating with this right now. Um, so I'm going to try to do that, Erica, and then I'm going to, and then help me fill in some of the gaps. I want to kind of like, almost like do like a bullet point outline for people right now. Okay. For so sure. we're talking about the invisible loads that can come with early motherhood, mothering parenthood. And what you identified here is that this is, you know, you really kind of speak to like the mental load. These are things that people around us might not see. And it can feel like having, a million tabs open in your brain. And like we said, there one of the tabs has a you know YouTube baby shark playing and you don't know what <laughs> the tab it is and it's playing and it's overstimulating. And it's probably playing because you let your child watch YouTube videos because you had to take care of something and you're probably feeling guilty about that too. And it's a reminder. Like that, like that's that's kind of like that 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 feeling of just having so much to carry um in your mind. And it's not something visible necessarily like the laundry that's the pile of laundry which is probably still something you're thinking about but that's something visible we're also considering all of the invisible things you're thinking about like oh gosh i need to pick this up um or i need to fill out this form for my child's school or what time is it when was the last feeding um keeping track of time um all of these all of these sort of things and so That's the invisible load. Um, And then the impact that it can have on us is it can impact our functioning for sure. It can lead to, we mentioned anxiety. um, Perfectionism can definitely show up and lead to a, you know, a spiral and pretty painful experience around this. Um, I don't know if we mentioned it directly, but um, depression, this can absolutely um, be a contributing factor or um, to that sense of just feeling really down and blue or, um, and, or even be a part of that um, postpartum depression. Um, we also mentioned postpartum rage, um, which can be that sort of like irritability, um, anger, frustration, um, lashing out, which then can also lead to some of that guilt, um, guilt being I've done something wrong or shame there's something wrong with me. And so all of these can be really painful experiences um, that we also often aren't talking to anybody about. Um, And because it's invisible, um, we can really be suffering alone. We talked about sort of with all of this can come feelings of being powerless and trapped. And so this is a really sort of painful cycle that that moms or parents in that and early parenting can be experiencing. And then we identified here um, from what you were speaking to, we, we spoke to together is what are some of the things that can actually help mentioned mm-hmm. um, values. So in some of these moments, identifying, OK, what is actually really important to me here? What is something that I value that maybe this painful emotion is actually pointing towards right guilt is actually an emotion that we're wired we're all wired for and it tends to be there to let us know when we feel maybe out of alignment with our values and so these emotions as painful as they might be um, they can serve a purpose in trying to identify what feels important to us right mm-hmm. um, whether it's safety security connection presence those are just a few for example and so identifying those values utilizing those values to help us prioritize because even if all these things are important to us if they're all important then it's going to actually be that much more overwhelming right so coming back to what I want to prioritize here um, but also identifying what we have control over in that moment which is going to help with that sort of powerlessness feeling and also then bringing in support right so identifying what what parts of this load can I pass to somebody else and then how can I do that in a way um, keeping that maternal gatekeeping in mind how can I do that in a way that feels really realistic and right now um, and it feels like something that I a small step towards bringing in some help so I can begin to lighten that load Um, while articulating this load to somebody so that it's not just in, it's not just tabs in your brain, but you're beginning to share that with somebody, somebody who has, um, somebody who you trust and somebody who you can um, kind of bring in to support you in, in that heavy pile of tasks and mental loads that you're, that you are carrying yourself hmm okay so that was yeah like my, that was my, an awesome summary <laughs> my efforts in trying to summarize all of this anything yeah. that you add in there or that you just want to kind of um you know add to um or sort of thicken a little bit or yeah um, yeah
2: there's actually something that comes to mind I've seen this um collection of images about the mental loads circulating this week and it's talking about how Um, Like when you ask a mom what you can help with, how that's actually creating more overwhelm for her and you should just pitch in and help and do things. Mm -hmm. And um, while I do agree on several fronts with that, I really do um, think that, you know, just coming and folding laundry and just showing up with a meal like these things, because moms won't always ask for the help when it's extended. So I do think it's important to take that approach with certain things. I also think that it's so so important for us to understand what our own needs are so that we can communicate them to our partner because oh. what I often see is we may have a supportive partner who wants to help support us and wants to meet our needs but there's a disconnect because they don't know how or how they are trying isn't actually the help that we need in the moment right so really stepping back to figure out what it is you need that may look like doing a brain dump of all of the open tabs in your brain right now. And sometimes I do that with my husband if I'm very overwhelmed, I might just say, "Okay, here he, here's all of the here's my brain right now. Here's all the things like on paper or in conversation, putting it all out there and then helping to prioritize or delegate once once they can see and are let in on what our needs truly are." So, yeah, so identifying our need and being able to communicate it, I think, is very important. And the last point I will say is there is really something to be said for having, um, like, psychological boundaries and, like, containment on things. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is um, I find for myself personally, and maybe there will be other ways that are helpful for other moms, is that if I do not write something down, that tab stays open in my brain. And my brain is constantly reminding myself, don't close that tab, that thing's not done yet. And mm-hmm. it's taking up like energy and RAM and focus because I've just not jotted that thing down. Right. So I purposefully will jot down thoughts or reminders or things that are on my brain, even just really quickly in short form as a way of containing that thing it's like taking it and putting it in a bucket knowing on the bucket it's labeled to be handled you know like this this will be dealt with let me put it in that bucket so for now i can close the tab and know that it will be tended to. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've got to, we've got to close down some of those tabs. They're not all equally important. They don't always need to be there in the present moment where we are right now. So finding a way that works for you to be able to do that will be so incredibly helpful.
1: I want to back that up because that is, I know that for me, before I go to bed, why is it always, right? Right before you go to bed, knowing that like, I mean, for me right now, I'm going to be woken up in a few hours to feed a baby. Mm-hmm. Why all, all the tabs all of a sudden are like, remember this, remember that, remember this. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I have a notes on my notes section on my phone. I have um, a place where I will write these things down. And it's, yeah, it's like putting it in a bucket that I will handle tomorrow. It does not need to be dealt with right now. No. I... Um, as I'm saying this, I'm like, you know, I don't think I did that last night or the night before. And I think that's part of why the last two nights have been more rough. Like I should have just written it down and put it away. And so this is a great reminder for me to, to use, to use that. Right. And I, I love, I love how you're framing it as containment. Like mm-hmm. you need to contain these things sometimes. Right. Um, and even then if it's written out and if it's on your phone, kind of cutting and pasting things in order of priority or even note of like um, is this something that I could actually ask you know it's in terms of what you were identifying earlier like identifying what your needs are is this something that I could actually express as a need to this person or that person or Mm -hmm. a helpful thing to have if somebody reaches out when you're postpartum like how can I help you or is there anything that you need um, instead of just saying, "Oh, we're okay, right? Go to that list and refer back to it and send them one of those things. Send one of those things on your plate to somebody else. Yes. Um, they're 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 looking for something, right? And I think a lot of times we won't because we feel guilty, but I know that anytime somebody has actually shared with me a way that I can contribute to their well-being when I care about them, it makes me feel good too. I feel. Mm-hmm. I feel good about that, um, and I know that um, you know. Sometimes it's hard, especially with COVID right now, um, but there are a lot of creative ways that people can be offering support, even if they can't come into your home. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. All right, so Erica, where can people find you? I'm going to share. All of this in the show notes, um, but I want you to maybe share it right here right now, and then I'll be sure to include everything you mentioned um in the podcast notes.
2: yeah, well, primarily, I hang out on instagram, underscore happy as a mother. I post um some sort of kind of educational supportive content there daily. You'll catch me hanging out of my stories with the boys. I have three boys and it's it's becoming quite quite rowdy. (laughs) Lots of wrestling and, you know, things which – and lots of snuggles at the same time, which I still appreciate. Um and in terms of offerings that I have I'm working on a postpartum um, rage guide a mommy rage guide that'll hopefully be out in the next couple of weeks okay. I have a coaching and membership group that opens for enrollment a couple times a year it's currently closed will open later this fall and yeah I just love to connect with people in my stories and have you be a part of, of building out these resources and, and being in these polls to help support other moms as well
1: and you also have a podcast. This is true.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I do also have a podcast. I do. And uh, episodes go out bi-weekly and we cover all kinds of things. This month has been perfectionism in motherhood and talking about mess and the impacts of mess on mm-hmm. moms. Um, lots of really interesting topics covered all related to maternal mental health and, and motherhood.
1: And you and I have an episode over there on scary thoughts. So if anybody is interested in hearing more of us speaking about these things, um, you can head over there. And I, Erica's podcast is incredible. You have amazing guests and. I just love how in-depth you go into all these topics. So um, it's a wonderful resource. And I'll share links to all of these in the show notes, as I've mentioned now a few times. (laughs) So Erica, thank you so much. Oh my gosh, we got through this whole recording and nobody has barged in. I think I made the baby cry, but the baby is now not crying, which means that somebody took care of her. And look at that. (laughs) And you
2: got an hour of like, I say to yourself time. I don't know if this feels yeah, like to yourself
1: time. <laughs> this, I was not sure how this was going to happen, Erica. And it feels like I, I had an adult conversation. I use my, my therapist brain, which I haven't used in a while. This felt, this felt really good. And I was pretty nervous about it. So thank you for being my first guest back to record with um, being postpartum and being in the midst of all this. And Thank you for having this conversation with me and I hope it's helpful to a lot of mamas.
2: Mhm, thank you so much for having me and Yeah. So, so impressed that you're putting out these offerings for people when you're right, right in it yourself. And, um, it's comforting to know that you can share in that perspective with moms too. So it really, it shows up in your work and I appreciate
1: that. And I promise you it's super messy in the background (laughs) And, and I'm only able to do it because I have, I have that help and support, right. Which took a lot to ask for, but, now I'm realizing, gosh, this was really worth it. This was really, really worth it. So thank you, Erica. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to hear when new episodes air. Looking for more support? I teamed up with a board-certified Joyen to bring you two e-courses for expecting and postpartum parents. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Thank you so much for inviting me into part of your day today. I'm so grateful and I hope you have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.